Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. You're listening to the Wes and Walker Show. I remember one recruiting victory that you did get. It's Wes. I know you remember my quarterback, Paul Troth, and he and I came up there to East Carolina for a visit. And Walker. Vance High School, offensive lineman, big kid, eventually <laughs> went to Florida. Do you remember Wes Bryant at Vance High there, Coach? Only on Sports Radio 92.7 FM WFNC. If Florida had come along and that young man told me he wanted to come to East Carolina, I probably wouldn't take him because I think he was not very bright. (laughs) (laughs) What I like about our show is we will go down a rabbit hole. All-time booty mover. In music and then celebrate some random artists out there that... Uh, we did not anticipate coming into the show, and we are celebrating J. Rue the Damager today just because he was a part of the conversation, played the Come Clean beat, DJ Premier, three in a row for J. Rue, and we're rocking out to Primo and J. Rue today. That's why I love today's edition of Western. I'd Walker. have to look up. I can't remember if he was Premier's artist or not. He might have been. Like I a gangstar situation? Go like, yeah, if he was DJ Premier's artist. Uh, I'm going to check in on that. Uh, how many How many old heads do you think we have angry at us right now? Like, is, Or are they are they mad at us? Oh, no, or they, they, they like, love it. They yeah, love that we're giving him I his flowers totally right now. I totally There's no agree. other station in the country right now that's played damn th- two or three <laughs> J. Rude Damager beats. You better be appreciative. Right, right. Like, it's not that they're mad at us playing it. It's just like, oh, yeah, these these young whippersnappers, they don't know what it was like back in the day. And I, But I do agree with you. I do think they probably enjoy telling us about it more than they like criticizing us yeah, for having I mean, not I was there for it. Are you that old? Yeah. <laughs> and I ain't old, mother trucker, but... Uh, <laughs> no, but definitely, uh, J. Ruta Demager, man, that was part of that, that golden era, man. Coming home, watching Rap City after school, you definitely were going to see those J. Ruta Demager videos. I was in... Uh, Middle school, late elementary, middle school uh, when Jay Rule w- was doing his thing because uh, my buddy had his tape. That was like early 90s then, right? Yeah, my buddy in middle school, uh, he had Jay Rule's uh, album. And that was when Fiddy was jamming to some yeah, Jay Rule in the early yeah, 90s. Yeah, Jay Rule going in elementary school. Oh, that's what yeah. great. He would have been like kindergarten, preschool or something like that. Is that so what's getting kicked out, man. Uh, well, okay. <laughs> I, I was going to ask if that's what brought you and Flounder so close together because you guys would just go home, listen to some Jay Rue after school in Lancaster, South. <laughs> South Carolina, and that's how you developed a bond. I was wondering if that was the reason as to why you guys are great friends. No. Flounder, no. Okay, fair enough. Let's go to the live wire with Josh Fiddy Marlowe. Live wires on the team connect. Get respect for their realness. I know you feel this. The east and the west. The west. Up north to the down south. Live wires connect. All right, guys. Well, we're coming off a conversation about C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And one of the things that Bobby Sloak's done a really good job is molding his offense to fit the rookie quarterback. That's why he's excelled as much as any rookie quarterback has in the last decade or so of the NFL. 
And Friday, we had a Panthers beat reporter for The Athletic, Joe Person. If you can uh, get that interview on our podcast, Apple and Spotify. And he said that no matter who the Panthers hire as head coach or offensive coordinator, they too got to mold their offense around Bryce Young. Whoever comes in is going to have to mold their system a little bit to, to Bryce's skill set and some of his some of his liabilities. Um, you know, the fact that at least under Frank Reich and, and, and then Thomas Brown, they they chose, you know, not to run Bryce other than, you know, off-platform scrambles. So we haven't seen Ben Johnson as a play caller outside of just Detroit with Jared Goff, correct? Yes, that's correct. So, uh, seeing what Bobby Slowick's done with a rookie uh, quarterback in C.J. Stroud, do you put more trust in him molding his offense around Bryce Young than maybe you do Ben Johnson? I don't think so. I think Ben Johnson and Bobby Slowick and whoever is the offensive coordinator, anybody worth their salt, they understand that they got to tailor their offense to what Bryce Young does best. They got to figure out a way for him to be successful because maybe what you're doing with C.J. Stroud might not work for Bryce Young. Maybe what you're doing with Jared Goff might not work for Bryce. And so I think both OCs understand that. I think Bobby Slowick is the guy that has the the most uh, experienced the most growth in his stock because they put up a million points with that young of a QB on what was a good defense this entire season. But I don't know if I necessarily think that because of what happened this weekend, Bobby Slowick's offense could be more tailored to Bryce than what Ben Johnson would do. I think each of these guys would assess who Bryce Young is and try to figure out what's best for him. Well, and I think too, when you look at both offenses and the characteristics of the quarterbacks that lead them, the thing I love about C.J. Stroud is that, you know, he plays the quarterback position the way you want it played. And we know that, you know, with a lot of African-American quarterbacks, a lot of times running is the catalyst for the game that they have. But C.J. Stroud plays from the pocket first and foremost. And that's the type of quarterback I think Bryce Young is at his core. And, of course, we know Jared Goff is not going to outrun anybody. So I think when you talk about both of these quarterbacks, the types of quarterbacks that they coach are drop-back quarterbacks first. And I think that Bryce Young is in that same vein. That's why I think either one of their offenses will work with Bryce. We all have very different and same opinions of Panthers owner David Tepper. Last Thursday, Ian Rappaport, he joined the Dan Patrick show to say he doesn't see a problem with Dave Tepper as an owner. He's just a guy that, well, wants to win. You know, Panthers would certainly take some time. That's a good job if you believe in the quarterback, I would say. What about the so, owner? To me, and this is just me, I don't really see an issue there, right? Like, to me, he is an owner who wants to win very badly, very, very badly, intensely badly. Now, that's separate from the thing that happened in the Jaguars game. Throwing a drink, that was bad. That was bad. But I'm just saying, as an owner, you know, did he make a rash decision with Frank, Frank Reich? Like... I don't know. It was not working. It was real ugly. It was not working. Um, so I don't, to me, like you have an owner who's intensely committed to winning. That is okay, even if sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. Wes, what do you make of a national reporter, a guy that is as plugged in as any insider in the National Football League, basically standing up and defending Dave Tepper? When literally everybody else in the business, Schefter, Glazer, Peter Schrager, whoever, will go on that same platform and say, nah, this guy's a train wreck, a big reason why no one's interested in coaching the Carolina Panthers. Um, well, I think at the end of the day, the crux of what he was trying to say is that, like, 
we've always said it's one of the 32 NFL head coaching jobs, and there's always going to be a coach with an ego that feels like that they can go in and handle any situation that's put in front of them. And yes, while Tepper's had some terrible antics, done a lot of uh, not so smart things as the owner of this franchise, one thing I would I would say as well is that the fact that the Panthers have been in on a lot of the trades for the big time guys, I feel like that. The move that was made to try and go get Bryce Young, it was an aggressive move because the Panthers felt like they were ready to win now and they just felt that they were quarterback away. And I think that Tepper certainly does want to win. It's just the way that he's going about it is all wrong. Yeah, a couple things on that. <laughs> you all right, Walker? Because I, <laughs> I saw that head. You, you gave a look like. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, the first thing I'll say is... What comes with the territory of the job that both Ian Rappaport and Adam Schefter possess is you got to be careful when you're criticizing some of the higher ups, because where do you think these guys get their information? There's a reason that they are the woges of the NFL world. You go to two spots to get the breaking news on national NFL news, right? It's Ian Rappaport who works for the NFL. And Shefty. Okay. And there's Shefty who works for ESPN, who's about to get in bed with the NFL according to this new deal. So take for that what you will. You're not going to hear those guys criticize a ton of the ownership that we That's see. A good point. Let's just take that into effect. The other thing is here, can I ask, is there anybody legitimately questioning David Tepper's desire to win? No. I mean, is that a criticism of him? It it can be celebrated. I like that David Tepper really wants to win very badly because it is true. We can have owners at the head of some of these other franchises that only care about profit and they don't do enough and they're cheap and they're not willing to spend money in order to help them win games. That's why I think David Tepper is valuable with how rich he is. And I do think that his desire to win is really valuable. Guys, we can focus on the stuff as to why Carolina has suffered during his entire ownership. Like, what have they done to the point where we can enjoy what David Tepper has done? Like, what? We can, people are trying to act like, oh, it's okay to say David Tepper is doing a good job as far as his desire to win. It's okay to say nice things about him. Yeah, I, I guess that's fine. Like, we can celebrate his desire to win, but it's really all about him getting out of the way despite that desire to win. There are different ways to go about it. No, he's not cheap. That matters. Yes, he wants to put a product out there that can get some victories over the next few years, and he's willing to spend on it. All of that matters. The problem is when he meddles with the operation side of things, when he tours every QB pro day and heavily influences some of these decisions that some of these football evaluators might be making, it's great. I'm glad you want to win. Welcome to the absolute floor. The bar is on the floor. The owner wants to win. Fantastic. But you got to stay out of the way and make right decisions for some of these evaluators in order to help the team. Like, we can still criticize that. So when you say, oh, I don't see a problem with him. Man, there are plenty of problems with David Tepper. Sure, we can celebrate some of that other stuff, but we can focus on the problems that have allowed this team to be among the worst in all sports in North America for the last six years. Go ahead, Finn. All right, Walker. I'm going to play a piece of a Hornet sound here. Just make sure we have time to get some Dallas audio because some people want to make fun of me. After the <laughs> team losing to me, and we're a show that does what the people want. After the Hornets lost last night to the Heat in a game where they failed to score even 90 points, Steve Clifford said, we don't got enough guys on our roster that can make shots. Well, shot making, I, to be honest, there's nothing more important in basketball than shot making. I mean, if you look at all the best teams in our league, 
they have the most shot makers, you know. So in that light, you know, we're, you know, somewhat limited actually, right? So we're, we're pretty reliant on two or three guys to do that. So on the nights when they're not going as well, it's definitely harder for us than it is for most teams. Walker, you host a, a daily Hornets podcast. The Bugs are now 8-30. and 30. They got blown out by the Spurs over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Got beaten down last night by the Heat on a night where they announced the statues coming for D-Wade. That's right. How you doing? Um, it's tough. Not going to lie to you. <laughs> be a lollipop? Like, I would love a lollipop. I would love for this to be my trip to the bank and get excited in the backseat of my mom's car when that sucker is dropped into whatever check my mom was trying to deposit. I would love for that to happen with this Hornet season, but I don't think we're going to get a lollipop, and I don't think we're going to get too many victories. Steve Clifford is right when he says they don't have a lot of shot makers. It's why he also said after this Miami game, they really need Brandon Miller back, and they really need Gordon Hayward back. We can hate on Gordon Hayward as much as we want to. The reason we do so is because he's always hurt. Yeah. But he's good when he's out there. He's certainly very uh, serviceable when he's healthy. Yeah, and Brandon Miller is already one of the best players on this roster, and he was from the word go. So those guys being out, and when they come back, you know that they're going to have to sacrifice somebody else because that's how it works. The game that somebody returns from injury, another important piece goes down with an injury. Like they and do sacrifices to get uh, playing time on this team. Uh, Doug calls it a soul for a soul. Yeah. I think that's some kind of uh, yeah. That's from yes, the Avengers. All right, soul for the a soul. Illuminati the Illuminati Hornet. Stone. That he got excited. He did, yeah. Oh, now we got him excited talking Hornets. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, the shot makers, they're not there. They need guys back as much as they can. Uh, they wouldn't be in the play-in tournament if they had everybody healthy, in my opinion. They would be close, and they might be on the 10th seed or whatever, but yeah. when you have Nathan Mensa playing 20 minutes and guys that aren't ready, it's not their fault. It's just the way it is. Wes. Yeah, and it's just the inconsistencies from guys like, you know, you look at P.J. Washington, career lows and field goal percentage, three-point percentage, points per game, uh, all of those things, and those are some of the guys that they need to step up. Uh, but he's had his fair share of injuries this season. But those are the type of guys that you want to step up when your big three isn't able to go or if they're not hitting their shots. And so Coach Clifford was right. And then I also saw uh, the quote from him, Wash, rinse, repeat pretty much when he talked about guys not playing defense when the shots aren't falling. How many times have we heard that about the Hornets? Before you get to your Dallas rant, I'm here for it. We'll have enough time, so go ahead and go into it comfortably. But I did want to say, we also heard a players-only meeting coming up for the Charlotte Hornets squad. Uh-oh. About time we got something. We throw chairs. There we go. It's about time. Let I me knew. get a little clap for that. I know. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, yeah. we're in there. Yeah. It's about time they, they, they showed us something to show they give a damn. Terry Rozier said we're going to have a players-only meeting. And P.J. Washington also talking about how we need to get things on the right track defensively because nobody was making shots against Miami. They scored 31 points in the first half of that game. In today's it was, NBA. If it, didn't right. get, if it doesn't get contentious and we don't hit it, somebody right. almost got swung on and it, it was a failure. All right, so Terry Rozier stepping up as the leader <laughs> with a players-only meeting. I thought you would like that. Last yeah. thing, Finn. All right, the last piece of audio we're going to play is from America's quarterback, Dak Prescott, who addressed the media last mm-hmm. night and said, if you're having discussions about Mike McCarthy's future in Dallas – you need to have the same conversation about me. They are. He's been amazing. Um, I, I don't know how they can be, but I understand the business. Uh, 
in, in that case, it should be about me as well, honestly. I mean, that, that guy, I've had the season that I've had because of him. Um, we, this team has had the success that they've had because of him. And uh, I understand it's about winning the Super Bowl. And, and that, that's the standard of the league and damn sure the standard of this place. So um, I get it, but add me to the list in that case. I'll go on the record and say I don't want to do this. I was forced to do this. But we're going to the foul line. Oh, they'll okay. look at this to see whether this is a flagrant. Mm, I don't know if I want to see that again. <laughs> you got to think that's going to be a flagrant. The question is, is it a one or a two? <laughs> Stanford P, I hope you enjoyed. Dakota Rain Prescott, you're the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. You're the quarterback of America's team, and you and I have had a complicated relationship because you replaced the quarterback that I loved, albeit, just like you, a failure in the postseason. After you have arguably your best regular season in uh, the history of your career, you pull up a dud in the postseason. Three touchdowns, two interceptions, 403 meaningless yards, and a game that's going to get your head coach fired. And instead of getting behind that microphone and using your platform to invoke confidence in Jerry Jones, saying that you are the right man for the job, you are the right man to get us to an NFC title game for the first time in 20 years, let alone a damn Super Bowl, you say, well, if we're having conversations about Mike McCarthy not being here, then you have the same conversation about me. That's the problem. That's the mentality. That's the losing mentality that exists at the star, that exists within this franchise. I don't want to hear that crap, man. I want you to sit there, put your chest out and say, I'm going to figure this bleep out or I'm going to die trying. Walker, you love him. <laughs> I do. You defend I really him. do. I do. Yeah, this that's is true. the most I have ever loved Dak Prescott in a regular season. And he reminded me once again why I cannot love him in the <laughs> postseason. And while I'm at it, I took a shot uh, when I was when I went on Charlotte Sports today. You know, Mac and Bone are, are running promos about a Cowboys montage of Uh-oh. misery tomorrow. There are other cities in America. ESPN. They, they, you know, it was the best thing for them seeing the Cowboys lose yesterday in the playoffs. Unless you are the Philadelphia Eagles, the Washington Commanders, or the New York Football Giants, you shouldn't really give a damn that the that the Cowboys lost in the postseason. And if you're doing sports talk radio around the country and you're planning shows and segments making fun of Dallas losing in the playoffs, something they have done for 29 straight years, it's rather pathetic. Get something new. Get in the workshop. Get creative. It's old. It's tired. And it'll never be as good as Stephen A. Smith anyway. All right. We make fun of Dallas on the other side of the break. It's Sports Radio, Wesson Walker, 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. 
All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. segments to go on the Western Walker show on a Monday. We just saw the Steelers, Mike Tomlin, walking in the building with all that cold just coming all out of the mouths of the guys when they're out there, man. The vapor is coming. It's cold. We're going to get this great cold weather matchup that we've been seeking. I can't wait to see how it turns out. It's hard to look cooler than Mike Tomlin. Yeah. When he came in with the sunglasses and he was bundled up, but he was ready to go all business, it's hard to be a cooler dude than Mike Tomlin. No doubt about it. And so, folks, get ready for that NFL playoff action. Philly and Tampa tonight. So, hey, it's a great day. But when we talk about the Carolina Panthers and what type of blueprint for their roster going forward, Walker, you have an interesting point in there saying everyone wants to copy uh, San Francisco. Is there another team that makes more sense? And so when you look at the 49ers and what they've been able to do. You talk about John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and their success with late-round picks has been well-documented uh, over the six years that they've been there. And several of the team's key players were selected in the third round or later, whether you're talking about Fred Warner, George Kittle, Dre Greenlaw, Elijah Mitchell. And when you break down this 49ers roster, there's only nine first-round picks on this entire roster. And some of these are guys that don't even play, whether you talk about uh, Sam Darnold or Cleveland Farrell that's been a guy that's been around the league. Javon Kinlaw, he's finally started to make a play or two. Then uh, Trey Lance at the time preseason, he was shipped out. So really, you make that eight. Christian McCaffrey, you throw him in there, and then Trent Williams. But yeah, this 49ers team has made their bones on that, and it's been part of the crux of uh, the issues that I had with some people talking about uh, you know, Brock Purdy and what he's been able to do and you talk about the talent around him. And again, these were guys that weren't necessarily expected to become the superstars that they did, but got into the right system, the right situation. When you talk about that 49er skill group, yes, they did trade for Christian McCaffrey. Uh, but Brandon Ayuk was the only drafted first rounder out of their key contributors. Uh, we know that Debo Samuel was a second round pick, a guy that was very injury prone coming out of South Carolina. Uh, George Kittle was a fifth rounder. Juwan Jennings was a seventh rounder. So, uh, the 49ers have been able to get it done as far as the late round picks and hitting on some of those guys. But also, you know, you'd be remiss if you didn't speak about just how fortunate they were at the quarterback position. You don't draft the guy that's Mr. Relevant and the guy turns into a pro bowler, a uh, potential all pro type of quarterback. I mean, that just does not happen unless you just get great, great fortune uh, from the football guys, because if Brock Purdy does not save these two. They're probably fired right now because everything they gave up to get Trey Lance, Trey Lance did not work out. And if Brock Purdy wasn't able to come in and play the way that he played, that's more loss than these guys would be out of there. But is there another team that makes sense uh, for a blueprint because you've got your Miami Dolphins uh, out there with what they've assembled. You've got the Baltimore Ravens with what uh, they've assembled. But for you, Walker, is it San Francisco as far as the model that you look at uh, for a team when they're trying to build a winner? Well, I, th I appreciate you giving me credit for this topic. You know, I told Fiddy to put it in there after I'm the one that created this without Fiddy's help. And so I really Let appreciate it. <laughs> Fiddy is the one that thinks Green Bay should be that blueprint team for Carolina to follow mm. instead of a San Francisco. I, I think 
Here's my question. Are, are we sure that everybody like tries to follow the San Francisco blueprint? It, it's so hard. Well, I mean, they hire all their coordinators and their front office people. That that might be true. But the thing about San Francisco that's always been so interesting to me is that they did it backwards. Because the idea is that you draft a QB high up and then you have all of this money to spend elsewhere. And while that's true that they don't have the high up draft choice, Q, uh, quarterbacking their team anymore – he, he does have a rookie-scale contract that allows them to pay a lot of other guys. That wasn't true when they signed Jimmy Garoppolo to a big old deal. I think it was top five in the league when they handed out that contract. Eventually it would go down because that's just the market. But they were paying a quarterback that, you know, we can disagree on just how good Jimmy Garoppolo was, but that was still a team that had impressive weapons all around him and really played well off of their defensive ability, whether it be Robert Sala D'Amico Ryans being their defensive coordinator. That was how they won. And so they were actually able to draft well at a lot of other different positions, despite paying the quarterback top money for a guy that wasn't playing like a top five QB when he was getting that type of contract. I don't know about top 10. And so now it's the exact opposite. It's just really hard to do what San Francisco has done. And by the way, like they missed on some of these guys too. You miss on a Solomon Thomas when you draft him. What was it? Second overall? Third yeah. overall, I believe, after mm-hmm. the Mitch Trubisky selection at two. And then they drafted the linebacker out of Alabama. Ruben Foster. Yeah, I thought he was going to be. Woo, got I a lot he was going to be the man. Got in a lot of trouble. Never did anything for San Francisco. And so they missed in the first round and high up now, as when well. When he did play, though, he was off the chain. Yeah. It just wasn't often. Yeah, he just wasn't playing a ton. So as far as the blueprint goes, Fiddy, you don't think San Francisco is that team. You think it's Green Bay. Tell us why you think Packers, the Packers blueprint is the one to follow. Well, they, they've gotten the most important position right for the last 30 years. You know, you had Brett Favre, you went to Aaron <laughs> Rodgers, and after yesterday, like, it's fair to say you got it right on Jordan Love. What other franchise has invested in the quarterback position and gotten it right over the past 30 years consistently? They've been to nine NFC championship games, the most since they acquired Brett Favre. They've only won two Super Bowls in the time span, but it's consistent excellence. It's consistent winning your division, even when they're not a a division champion. They just went on the road as the first seven seed ever win a wild card in the history of the NFL. Like It feels like they've gotten it right more often than not, and, and they just know how to groom quarterbacks. And even if they don't have a roster around them, they can get the coaching right and get the personnel right to get into the playoffs and make stuff happen. Yeah, I think that seems it's easy to say. But is there a real blueprint to follow for Green Bay? Because the first sentence is just hit at quarterback for 30 straight years. Well, I mean, I also think like, you know, maybe you look at what Green Bay has done, you know, when you traded for far, if he had been a starter or he had played in Atlanta, but you draft Rodgers and you set him, you draft Jordan Love and you set him. They, they're they the argument. They make the case for you to invest in a first-round quarterback and not play him for three years. If you have a Hall of Famer there. Yeah. yeah. No, you're right. And I, I understand because you've seen some of these QBs that sit a couple of years. And maybe it's a red herring to look at the all-star QB, the pro bowler that you have, when in reality, of course those guys are going to still play because they're so good. It's easier to sit your first-round QB that you select behind that guy because – the guy you still have is still so good. And maybe that doesn't really matter. Maybe the thing we should be focusing on is the fact that when these players sit, we've seen in a few different instances now, when they do play, they're immediately contending for a playoff spot. And we've seen that the last couple of QBs that sat a couple times. Like for me, it's hard to do the Green Bay thing, 
We were questioning their draft history in the first round for a while before Jordan Love started to figure it out. And their whole thing was, we keep homegrown talent. We don't sign a lot of free agents. I remember when they signed Julius Peppers, it was this big deal because he was one of like three dudes that they had that weren't drafted. And they keep all their talent, but they have one Super Bowl to show for in the last 13 years, despite having one of the best QBs that we've ever seen. I, I don't know who that blueprint is. Is, is it Houston? <laughs> Is it the team that we can't help ourselves but feel pain when we watch continue to march on in the postseason? So you have your early pick at QB. They have C.J. Stroud. We have Bryce Young. Bryce Young's not as good as C.J. Stroud this year. It's just not true. But can you have some kind of reclamation project at wide receiver like Nico was? Not even reclamation, just somebody that breaks out with good quarterback play. Can you draft somebody in the third round or second round and later and they can contribute immediately? We've seen more and more about that with some of these later receivers that help a lot of these NFL teams right away and do enough to salvage your offensive line with a smart offensive coordinator. Like I know we keep talking about them to death, but I do think the blueprint just might be Houston. The only difference that would be huge for me is they hired a defensive coordinator as a head coach. I do think David Tepper's probably going to go with an offensive mind here, but other than that, Maybe you just have the whole Bobby Slowick thing instead of that OC. You have Bobby Slowick or whoever at head coach. But maybe Houston is the one to go to here, Wes. Well, I also think, too, and going back to Green Bay, and you're talking about the Texans as well, is that the Panthers have to do better when you talk about drafting uh, skill talent. Because when you look at the wide receivers, I mean, you try to think of the last uh, draft pick that, the Panthers have had that has been wildly successful. And it's almost like you have to go back to Smith and Moose because the last few years uh, you go Mingo, which the jury is out on him. We'll see, but he hasn't shown a lot to make you feel hopeful about it. Terrace Marshall Jr. Hasn't worked. Shy Smith hasn't worked. Uh, You know, DJ Moore. Now they did hit on DJ Moore. uh, So I stand corrected there and they got him. Uh, with that first round. But the spirit of well. your point still rings very Right, right, true. because when you look at what Green Bay's been able to do uh, and the selections they had, Jaden Reed was a second-round pick. Christian Watson was a second-round pick. So those are premium selections. I would I would count probably first three rounds in that, even though they're not necessarily first-rounders, which is at the top of the top. Romeo Dobbs was a fourth-rounder, and I think that's the thing with the Packers. Even when you look at Devontae Adams, he was a second-round pick, so the Packers have had an eye for talent there. You talk about the Pittsburgh Steelers, the eye for talent that they've had at that receiver position, at the linebacker position. And I would think at this point, if you were to choose what is Carolina's best position that they've drafted – linebacker would probably be the the one that you would look at. And it's been a little bit. Yeah. It's been, a, it's been yeah. a little while. So that's the thing, though, is that their, their scouting department and the way that they evaluate talent uh, needs a bit of a look, too, when you talk about this, this current group, uh, because they're going to need to be as good as anybody over the next few seasons drafting if they want to turn this thing around. They've got to be able to find those gems in those late rounds, especially this draft with no first-round draft pick. We mentioned some of the biggest differences between the teams that competed this weekend and what the Carolina Panthers look like right now. You can go to offensive line if you want to, but it's not like uh, all these offensive lines are great. Yes, they, they help. They're good. But that's not the biggest difference to me, despite Bryce Young getting sacked as many times as any, outside of Sam Howe. The wide receiver position, con- continuing to what you were saying, how different did those guys look, Wes? Yeah. It's crazy. And I know we had this debate last offseason about how some of these wide receivers that you draft in the second, third, fourth, fifth, 
you're starting to see those guys contribute a little bit more right away where it's it's still hard to hit on Puka. There's a reason he set all sorts of records. That doesn't happen. Um, but Dontavian Wick's helping you out. Christian Watson, remember, he was good last year. Actually mm-hmm. had a down year mm-hmm. considering what he did uh, the previous season and got hurt. I even look at tight ends, Wes. Like you, you invest at the tight end spot, and Green Bay might have hit on two of them in Tucker Craft and Luke mm-hmm. Musgrave. We're starting to see the wide receivers that produce early. That's kind of infiltrating the tight end position as rookies. I've mentioned this a million times over the last five, six years. I always thought that position was as hard to translate to the NFL only behind QB and maybe some defensive positions there. But I thought tight end was really hard to find some of these breakout candidates. Man, Dalton Kincaid has been good receiving the football. And and I know he's smaller, but so is Sam Laporta. He's been excellent. Caught a touchdown pass in this game after I didn't think he would play. Sam Laporta was great this year. You're seeing tight ends this season, Wes, produce right away. And we can't even get that in Carolina. Like I, One of the things that I'll, I'll bring up this offseason, I wonder if there's any way you could trade for an Isaiah Likely because he's the backup tight end mm-hmm. for Baltimore, and he's awesome. Bring him back home after playing for Coastal Carolina. Yeah. Like, do you want to get rid of another draft pick to go get somebody, but that is so clearly very talented and good and could be a top five talent wise tight end? Like, I don't know. We just got a lot of weapons that we need to get here for Carolina. Is is that your underrated player that the Panthers should I think be so. interested in? Because yeah. yeah, my bad. I didn't mean to just no, it, you're good. It's, it's certainly Isaiah likely for me, just on the surface. I, I don't know if maybe some of these other wide receivers in the future mm-hmm. that are young now, but when it comes time to pay all of these guys, it's going to be hard because you have to allocate towards other positions and they're looking for big money. So then maybe you do steal some of these second and third wide receivers that feel close to number one, but they're not going to get paid like that with their team because there's so much talent. Maybe Carolina can poach some of those guys. But if I had to dwindle it down to one player that's not being talked about, mm-hmm. that maybe you could gauge some interest. Mm-hmm. I would love an athletic tight end that is just a flat-out playmaker and likely has been that ever since Mark Andrews hit the sideline. And we know Mark is one of the best tight ends, so when he comes back, maybe he's not even on the market. Like Baltimore could just want to have really two talented tight ends, but I would at least call about it. I would love to have a game-breaker at that spot again. Um, I would say, too, when you look at the list of available free agents that got it, I think as an underrated player that could come in and help this Carolina Panthers team, I look at a guy like a Gabe Davis from Buffalo. Uh, he's still a relatively young wide receiver. You talk about this is his fourth season uh, coming up, and he averages around 40-plus catches, but he's got 27 touchdowns so far. This is a very uh, productive young player. And then you talk about he has to share the spotlight with uh, Stephon Diggs, but he's averaged over 15 yards per reception in every season uh, of his career. He's good with contesting catches, uh, contested catches. So I think Gabe Davis is a guy that may be flying under the radar uh, that Carolina may want to take a look at to come in and help this receiving core. But when we return on the Wesson Walker show, we're going to close this thing down on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. McDonald's is not new to chicken. So maybe stop questioning that chicken cred and get your hands on the McCrispy. Juicy fried chicken, buttery bun, unmatched pickle to chicken ratio. Yeah, they know what they're doing. In fact, we can honestly say they're not new to chicken. They're true to chicken. The McCrispy. Only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. We've had a very sportsy show today. We we have broken down the Carolina Panthers, the difference between this franchise and all the wild card teams that you watched this weekend. And yet my favorite thing about this show is that we've absolutely turned Josh Fitty Marlowe into a J. Rue the Damager fan. Yeah, he got frustrated, asked us why we hadn't been playing more of this stuff as if he's a J. Rue uh, he enthusiast. Mad. He heard this beat before he was about to play. It was like, why is this not in the system? Yeah. Like, he was about to get angry and chastise us for having not downloaded this before. What kind of music y'all listening to? Put this in there right now. <laughs> First off, don't make it out like, y- you know, I y- y'all made me a fan. Always been a fan. More of a fan okay. than you because when I played the first beat, you didn't know it. No, I did. I knew Come Clean. I'm the one that brought up. You didn't know Jay how Rue. to. I mean, you didn't know how to say his name correct, though. That's true. So come correct. <laughs> <laughs> this man is gonna teach you. Might he actually might go home, do some homework on more J. Rue DJ Premier beats, and then come back with a J. Rue short sleeve hoodie like I got on for Tribe and MF Doom. Right. That's what I'm saying. I said he's going to be driving back to historic Lancaster, you know, bumping that J. Rue. What's hilarious is he also told us that you said your little brother found out about Soldier Boy. Yes. You need to go ahead and tell him. And he's a fan now? So, was back home. And your uh, brother's how old, by the way? My Ashton's 15. Okay. Yeah, yeah, he, he turned 16 this year. Went back home for Christmas, like you know, everyone does, go back see the family for the holidays. And uh, brother, you know, plays high school basketball or whatever. And he goes into his room and, and, and tells Alexa to play Soldier Boy. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there and I'm just like, I'm thinking this is like a new song, right? Because this song is what, so 16 years old. Yeah. It came out when I was in middle school and I was in middle school. From like 05 to 07. Oh, he was playing Crank That? Yes. And when you talk about feeling aged out, and then here comes my nine-year-old little sister singing the lyrics. I'm just sitting there like, what in the blue hell is going on? <laughs> I'm, I'm tw- like, I remember dancing to that song at sixth grade dances at Union Academy. And here come my 15-year-old brother and nine-year-old sister Doing the exact same thing. That's one of those songs that will never die. It's just too fun. It's just automatic. As soon as it drops, people are going to hear it. You're going to hear it in stadiums and all that stuff. Soldier Boy definitely getting that mailbox money off of uh, Crank That for sure. We used to come out to Pronto. We used to come out with Snoop Dogg and uh, Soldier Boy on right. Pronto. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. And once we heard that, we we're like, oh, okay, we're about to do layup lines to this. Yeah. But you're so right about bringing up Soldier Boy for all of the middle school dances, high school dances too. And you better believe when we do these wedding playlists, you're going to hear it no matter the demographic, no matter who's getting married, you're going to hear some Soldier Boy because the DJ that you hire. He's got that in his arsenal. It's one of the top 10 most played songs at a wedding, I would imagine. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's funny. Bryce and I are now starting to have uh, 
hip hop arguments and debates about stuff, and it's it's uh, funny. Oh, this is great. Talk about feeling dated, and he's telling me that NBA young boy and NLE Chopper are the best <laughs> rappers out. <laughs> so we just debate about NLE this, and the, car, and the thing is, I'm indulging it. So we're having spirited debate. About this type of stuff in the car, so it's it's pretty fun. But yes, it, he's definitely swearing by these two guys, and and so, they're better than who? What's his strongest take so far? I mean, you know, so I tried to cultivate his ear as a baby. I played stuff around him. Always the clean records, but fortunately now you can get the clean classics. You can listen to Illmatics yep. and all that type of stuff. So yeah, I mean, you know, he he's like you know Lil Wayne and and all these people that are legends and greats aren't. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> And so some of it he's trolling me when he says it because he knows it's not true. But he's definitely on the, the NLE chopper and uh, the NBA young boy uh, train right now. Tries to get me to play in the car, and I just tell him, nah, it's getting no play in the ride. So did your little brother have a crazy music take that you find yourself in the same situation as Wes where you're arguing with him about how you young bloods don't know what it was like when I was in middle school? <laughs> no, I, I just made it known that he, he makes his brother feel old because I can remember using that song to get myself ready to go play You know, middle school, <laughs> middle school sporting events uh, as well. I texted Willie P., to see if he can remember if that song was played at his wedding. Because I feel like that might be, you know, where the demographic stopped, right? like middle age, 35-year-olds. Yeah, and, and maybe I was a little too strong on it. Maybe not top 10. I would say maybe we go down to like top 20, could top you, 25. Could you picture, because I don't remember because I was, I was that far gone at his wedding. The WFNZ crew getting down to that. Myself, Flown, Mac, Bone, KB on crutches. Remember, this was right after he cut his toe off. And Colin Hoggard <laughs> on the dance floor. And Smoke Ludwig was there as well, dressed like a boat captain. Okay. <laughs> I would love to see that. Yeah. I, I mean, just catching strays. Oh, no, it was smoke. a very – it was a, no, it was a good look for Smoke. Oh, okay. All right. I would love to see – Captain Smoke swag surfing to Soldier Boy. Yeah, and I mean, can you have a better name than Captain Smoke? Captain Smoke is great. What did you think of? You said swag surfing, right? What yep. did you think of Taylor uh, Swift and them swag surfing? Let, let, him, let him ball they out. They got roasted. I liked it personally. Yeah, I, thought right. she, I thought Taylor Swift looked fine doing it. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it's totally fine. I think people want to see that, and then they're going to clown over. I thought and she no, was going to get roasted no matter how well, good she it's, did it. Nobody is going to sit here and say it's the best executed in the world, but right. they're balling uh, in like what? Negative four? weather 20 windshield let let them do whatever they can if they need to swag surf to keep warm then damn it go ahead and swag surf. swelsey was the relationship football fans needed Brittany mahomes and taylor swift is the friendship that we needed i can't get enough of them to sitting in their box watching their men kick ass the on the football field hard, oh it was sweet hey it was, you know who designed it by the yeah, way yeah uh kyle use check oh yeah perfect. perfect yeah Boom. what'd you call him the other day juice <laughs> Well, I call him Juice anyway. That's his nickname, but I call him a use check. Just use a check. Yeah, use check. It's his, his wife. Did, no, you're totally right about yeah. that. Uh -huh. it, that that coat, that jacket was sweet. That Taylor Swift was yeah. rocking in this game. And by the way, now everybody like Tony Dungy and people that are hypothesizing Taylor Swift might be the reason for the Chiefs' demise. Are they shutting up now? Like yeah. it's Taylor. Swift, it's Taylor Swift's fault. He said that. Tony Dungy said that. Yeah. Like on national TV or like just on his ex account? I saw that there was a quote <laughs> out there that Tony Dungy was talking about Taylor Swift. Uh, maybe not even being the reason for the Chiefs' demise. I should look this up before I put that on him, but you can look up a bad take. I, I know this. It was an awful take. 
by Tony Dungy about Taylor Swift and how she's affecting football. Willie P has confirmed that Crank That was played at his wedding. All right, Rodney. Oh, that makes me happy. He did. Yes. Ah, yes. That makes me happy. Captain Smoke and Willie P dancing to some Soldier Boy and Crank That. Rodney did say, I'm a DJ. It's definitely a top 20 song here in uh in Charlotte at least and I would imagine the surrounding area. I mean it's got to be in your party playlist. Um gotta spe- be. speaking of, you know, Pronto is what made me uh think about this. Pronto going out to it in high school. There were a, a few songs that we would come out to in high school, of course. But we mentioned it last week. So I'll give everybody an update. I'd been waiting on a DVD adapter to be delivered in order to watch my high school senior night game, the best game that I ever had in Good old Bunker Hill athletics history. That's the best game Walker Mail ever played. Finally got to see that game for the first time in like 13 years. It was a DVD stowed away in the depths of my dad's closet in Indianapolis. I couldn't find it. Found it when I looked for it just a little bit. Found it at the back. And so I clearly, the laptop, don't have any DVD players anymore. Don't need them. So once I got the adapter, I was ready. Uh, Got my popcorn ready. Got my beer this weekend. Was watching Walker Mail Bunker Hill basketball film. And it's so different going back and checking the film on yourself from a place now where I evaluate sports and talk about it for a living. Here I was thinking I was a beast at boxing everybody out, like making the right slides defensively. (laughs) And there were times I made great plays. But there were way too many times that Coach Walker Mail would have reamed out player Walker Mail for not putting a body on somebody. And I allowed probably like three offensive rebounds in that game. Mm. And I certainly did not think I did that. It's all good, man. You were scoring so many buckets and and, and getting it done. You couldn't do it all that night. Plus, I thought here I am like you might call me bland because like I had some moves in the post, but there were a lot of drop steps to the left. <laughs> <That's the scout laughs> going the left shoulder. What you got, Wes? Oh, ain't nothing, man. I was just going to say, you know, as we get set for this uh, football game later, and I definitely want to see uh, those highlights one day when we get a chance. But, hey, that field up there in Buffalo is is crystal clear right now. Oh, look when at you that. look at what they got going up there, those fans really did an excellent job. Look at Walker's face. That alone just says you. I mean, it looks like. That's a, a beautiful regular, scene. Yeah, you see it, Fitty? That's a beautiful scene. They got this thing ready to go in Buffalo. There will be no uh, super-duper <laughs> no effects for on Josh this game. Allen when he chokes yeah, in the playoffs, it's ready baby. to go, man. I mean, the seats are still pretty filled with snow, but the field is clear. All right, so 828 wants us to put that video of me on Facebook playing Maiden, and they also said, hey, we need to get Wes's combine highlights, too, if there ever was a combine <laughs> for Wes Bryant. All right, we'll upload some of those videos. But we appreciate you, everybody. We appreciate you joining us here in the midday from 12 to 3. We'll be right back at it tomorrow, recapping another day of playoff football. Until then, I don't need you to go anywhere. Keep it right here. Kyle Bailey, Smoke Ludwig, they're coming at you right now. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.